Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's conversation. I am so thankful that you have made your way here. Just take a deep breath with me as we begin our continuing conversation in our series, The Hallways of Home. Let's just take a deep grounding breath. So much going on in the world around us. I'm going to put my hand over my heart, my feet flat on the ground. And I'm just going to take a good four count inhale, exhale. there was a time to be grounded, it is now. Today I want to dive right into the um, powerful topic of reparation, relational reparation. Reparation is a very big word for repair, for emotional repair, for repairing wounds. And when we look at the word reparation, it means the making of amends for a wrong one has done by paying money or otherwise helping those who have been wronged. It's also defined as the action of repairing something. And for today's conversation, I'm going to be focusing on relationships primarily and the relationships within our families. So we could say family reparation, the action of repairing the relationships within our families, parents to children, children children to parents. And so in that second definition, the action of repairing something, the action of repairing wounds within our family relationships, immediately you you can imagine what hopped out to me. Well, action first and then repairing. So it is an action, reparation, repairing our relational wounds requires action on our part. And that speaks to me of it being visible, of it being seen and heard and known. And I immediately thought of uh, the beautiful words in the book of James, second chapter verses 14 through 26, and I read from the voice translation. Brothers and sisters, I love how James writes to us as his family because we are a family of faith when we belong to God, right? We are, we are a, a, a universal family. We all belong to one another, and I love what Maya Angelou, the great poet, Uh, spoke. She said, we are not our brother's keeper. We are our brother and we are our sister. We must look past complexion and see community. So James says to us, brothers 
and sisters, it doesn't make any sense to say you have faith and act in a way that denies that faith. Mere talk never gets you very far. And a commitment to Jesus only in words will not save you. It would be like seeing a brother or sister without any clothes out in the cold and begging for food, and you say to him, Oh, shalom, friend. You should get inside where it's warm and eat something. But you do nothing about his needs or her needs. You leave them there, cold and alone, on the street. What good would your words alone do? I got to say that again. What good would your words alone do? The same is true with our faith. Without action, faith is useless. By itself, it's as good as dead. Okay, I'm reading that again. Without actions, faith is useless. By itself, it's as good as dead. Some translations say it this way, and you're probably more familiar with this. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Verse 18, I know what you're thinking. Okay, you have faith, and I have actions. Now let's see your faith without works, and I'll show you a faith that works. Now let's see your faith without works, and I'll show you a faith that works. And then there was a note in this verse, this version that said, don't you realize that faith without works is useless, like a glove without a hand or a hat without a head? That scripture is so powerfully convicting. So when we think about emotional reparations, and boy, is this a heated topic and a much needed conversation in our country and in the world today. Not only are we in the midst of a pandemic, we are in the midst of uh, racial injustice and discussions that are all centering about uh, around what is being a racist, what is racism. I have listened to so many rich podcasts and conversations and have reached out to uh, many, many sisters of color, and I cannot wait to have them be our guest here on this podcast once I gain the skill of having conversations uh, on this podcast. It is a new skill that I'm working hard on um, bringing to you. So I cannot wait to en enlarge our conversations and invite guests into our community so that we can talk about actions that will repair this racial injustice that has just it's just gone on too long so we see in reparation in that second de definition the action of repairing something we see it's an action so it's it's living out james 2 14 through 26 it's living out our faith by doing good works faith without that is dead it's also a repair so we have to take steps, we have to um, gain skills, we have to learn uh, and, and bring tools into our life that will actually enable us and empower us to make the repairs that are necessary 
in our family relationships. Now, this is what I do for a living. This is my passion. This is my calling. This is my ministry. This is what I write about. This is what I do on a daily basis. I am invited into the back porches and the homes and the living rooms and the kitchens. And I'm invited into family systems. And I'm so honored that uh, families open their doors and trust me to come have a seat at their table and to help them in this reparation process, this restitution, this restoration process as a mediator to help them learn this fine art, this skill of how to repair wounds that perhaps are decades old, that perhaps are even centuries old, because here in our Stronger Everyday community and here on our podcast, we're well aware that emotions come through our DNA. They, that's proven, scientifically proven, that emotions come through the DNA, through our lineage. And so we're oftentimes not even aware. It could have been an unhealthy, toxic behavior passed through our lineage DNA in our cells from a great-great-grandfather. And so this is serious work. And I take it seriously when a family invites me to have a seat at their table to lean in and to listen between the lines and discern in the spiritual realm and then find a way to help them see where perhaps they were blind. I have had, I have major blind spots in my life. We all have them. And so it often takes someone coming in from the outside to be able to see with clear lenses uh, the problems that um, are often hidden from those entrenched and enmeshed in those problems. So we want to repair, and repair means to fix or mend a thing suffering from damage or a fault. Repairs to fix or to mend. I will lean towards the mend word because I love um, the imagery that mending, you know, mending a sock, mending something with beautiful stitches, mending a quilt that perhaps was um, has been torn through the years. And we mend something that's been suffering from damage or a fault. So we've talked so much about this, so much about this in our previous episodes in season two, episode 19, where we talk of secure attachment and season two, episode nine, when we talk about real love being safe. So I just wanted to take a moment. I have created in front of me and I will put all of these in our show notes, which will be on the blog tomorrow or Friday by the latest. And that is the rhythm I'm trying to move through now in our, in all of our um, Stronger Everyday community resources uh, as we do the podcast. And then I will put all of the things that I mention in our weekly blog that comes either Thursday or Friday. So please be sure to take a moment, stop, just stop this uh, podcast for a second, 
hit pause and hop on over to JanelleRairdon.com, J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com and subscribe to our community so that you can have access, immediate access to everything that's hot off the press and to all of the deeper resources that I um, have available to those who are in the community. And be sure to join our private Facebook group, Stronger Every Day, a heartlifting community. So in talking about how to bring emotional reparation, emotional repair to the wounds inside of our family relationships, we first wanna take a step back and look at what I'm now calling the anatomy of the atmosphere, the emotional atmosphere of our home. And I drew a little diagram in my notebook and I'll put that up on uh, in our show notes. And in the center, if you can just envision like a bubble chart, emotional climate or atmosphere of the home is in the center. And then I have the spokes uh, of the wheel coming off and, and I just jotted down some notes that I feel are really essential to be implemented so that we can assure that the emotional environment, climate, atmosphere inside our homes and moving through the hallways of our homes is safe. Now I know firsthand, because I've had several clients lately who are like, I'm just not getting this safe thing. How am I not a safe person? How am I not a safe parent? Well, first and foremost, I encourage you to go back to season two, episode eight, Real Love is Safe. Go back to season two, episode four, Practicing Kindness. Go back to um, anything and everything that has to do with safety on the podcast and listen to that first. But being safe, I can break that down into an acronym and I just jotted this down today because of these questions I've been given by my clients and I've been thinking about it long and hard and meditating on how can I make the voluminous amount of information simple. You know, break it down, really simple because we're all busy and overwhelmed by a lot that's going on in the world. So how can I make this simple? So I created an, an acrostic SAFE. Safety in a person, safety in a home, safety in a relationship, safety in parenting is based on you being a secure base for your child or for the other person in the relationship. That meaning you yourself as an individual, you're working on your heart because above all else, you must work on your heart. You must guard your heart. You must do your own emotional health and wellness work. So it starts inside of you, mom or dad, or sister or brother. It starts with the individual me. I have to do my mental and emotional work, my heart work. I have to have a growth mindset. And I always have to have that teachable spirit because if I come into the relationship from a posture of arrogance or rigidness or defensiveness, emotional wounds will happen. It's, that's a done deal. 
I have to come into every relationship from a posture of humility, a posture of empathy, a posture of um, teachability. A of our safe acrostic is you must be attuned and aware. So go back to those podcasts. Refresh yourself. What does it mean to walk in the door of my home as a secure base, someone who's humble, someone who's, yeah, sure, tired, overwhelmed, overworked, frustrated, disoriented, but before I cross the threshold of my home and and come into my family space, I need to brush the dust of the world off my feet. I need to maybe, I, I heard one person, I love this, has a little tree by their house or a bush or something. I can't remember what it was, but that person just goes over to that tree and leaves everything negative and speaks to that bush. And it's it's just the problem tree or whatever you want to call it. However you want to do it before you cross the threshold of your home, take a deep breath, ground yourself, remind yourself that you are now entering the safest place in the universe to people who love you and adore you, who see you, who know you, you belong here. Leave the world, leave all of that outside Put your briefcase down or whatever, your purse, and take a breath and shift. Shift into safety to where you feel secure, you know you're loved, you can be who you are, you can feel safe. You want to be attuned and aware. That's part of that attunement. I'm aware that I'm frustrated from this hard day at work. I'm aware. I'm going to attune my emotions. I'm going to get, I'm going to feel that I'm overwhelmed. And I'm going to take a moment and take a deep breath. And if you use those therapeutic great essential oils that I love so much, you can take a good deep breath of your stress away. And ground yourself just like we did at the beginning of our time together. These are rhythms. These are practices. These are tools that you have in your emotional toolbox that once you practice them enough, they will become second nature. F is to foster openness and authenticity. What does that have to do with being safe or being a safe person or being a safe parent? It means that you're not a brick wall, that you're not intimidating, that you are gentle, that you are welcoming, that you allow some space for the other person to speak and talk while you listen. That's up to you. That's up to me as a mother to foster an openness in my relationship with my children by being welcoming, by being approachable by not being scary, by not being um, an authoritarian who says it's my way or the highway. Do you hear me? This doesn't mean that I can't be, you know, strict or, or, or lead and love with authority. That's very different than being an authoritarian. I'm going to foster autonomy in my relationships. Please go back a couple episodes and listen and understand that without autonomy, we cannot have 
healthy relationships. If autonomy is missing, we will always have emotional wounds and need emotional repair. Authenticity is to be no nothing fake. No hypocrisy. You're not one way inside your house and another way outside your house. You are consistent and stable. You are not perfect. Don't don't hear me wrong. <laughs> you know how I feel about that. We will be human and we will make mistakes. But we are authentic. We are approachable. We are welcoming. We are able to put down our phones and say, talk to me. I'm listening. And the E is emotionally intelligent. So secure, attuned, and aware, we foster openness and authenticity, and we are emotionally intelligent. That is totally up to you and me. I have to study to be emotionally intelligent. I've had to do a lot of really hard life work and heart work and access people to help me. That's my role. I come in to your family system, to your family, and I sit at your table and I help you grow in your emotional intelligence. Sometimes we need that help, especially if we've come from dysfunctional family of origins. Okay, so around this, uh, imagine this diagram within the middle is the emotional climate or atmosphere of the home. So I'm just gonna go around the spokes and then you can see the visual uh, on the show notes. We need to nurture. We need to have a nurturing presence in the home, nurturing friendships with our children as well as the parent-child relationship, meaning we see them, we hear them, we acknowledge they're in the room. You know, how many times do you walk in a room and somebody just keeps staring at their phone or their computer? I'm sorry, but that's rude. And love is not rude according to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It's one of the practical dictates of what love looks like. When I walk into the room, I want my husband's eyes to see me. When he comes home for the day, I stop most of the time. I stop what I'm doing. Not all the time. I'm not perfect. I'll say, hi, how? welcome home. I love to say welcome. Welcome home. Welcome home. I see you. I'm so glad you're here. Put down your phones, close the computer or the laptop, turn away from the desktop. Acknowledge the other person's presence. That's nurturing and loving. Your nonverbal cues are welcoming. Sure, young moms, I get it. The days are super long. But somehow or another, Use those 15, 20 minutes. I used to call them the 15 minute flash. Dad's gonna be home in 15 minutes. Let's straighten up the house. Let's get things peaceful. That was my job. I took that seriously. I wanted my husband, I was a stay at home mom. Yeah, I have, this is birthday week in my life. My oldest is 34 and my twins just turned 30. So at one time I had three children under the age of four. Life was chaos, total chaos. But I took that very seriously and I 
wanted to create an atmosphere in our home of peace and order and tried to the best of my ability to at least have that for a few minutes as he walked back through the door. Now, some of you maybe stayed home dads. I don't know. It's a different day and time now. Um, whatever. Whoever is at home at the end of the day when everyone's coming home, try to make that a peaceful atmosphere. That's a rhythm. That's a practice. Connect. Make sure in a, in a home that has a healthy emotional climate atmosphere, we want to connect around a meal or a movie. Um, maybe a devotional time. We talked about that earlier in the season. Having family uh, times where we make deposits into our legacy account, our lineage, where we get to know one another. Yeah, that's a novel idea, I think, in this day and time. To really spend more time in the small group of our family perhaps then with others. We want to make daily deposits into the emotional account of our family bank, right? Our bank account, our emotional banking account. We want to make deposits of kindness and love and helpfulness and selflessness and generosity and hospitality and Little acts of kindness. Noticing. Sharing. Cleaning up for someone. Surprising them. Doing the dishes without being asked. Doing anything without being asked. When we do that, then we fill up our emotional bank account and when and if there is an emotional wound, because there will be, we have a, a, a really, we got a lot, lot of emotional, healthy emotions in that bank account to help us through it. We want to adhere to a short mantra I heard years ago called never about, always to. Meaning, we never talk about each other in a negative fashion. We certainly can talk about each other in a positive fashion all day long, yes. But we never talk about one another behind one another's backs. We always go straight to that person. Never about, always to. You know, many of us grew up with invisible grapevines growing on the walls of our home, right? It's called triangulation in psychology and in counseling where mom is talking to the sister about the brother and then the brother is talking to the mother about the sister and instead of coming to one another they're talking behind one another's back that's an invisible grapevine that needs to be removed <laughs> obviously unless it is a dangerous situation and an intervention needs to happen. We're talking in generalities today. Sometimes there will be serious times where we have to do an intervention. That's not triangulation. That is help. That is love. As I said before, we want to be safe people. There's a beautiful, helpful book called Safe People by Dr. Henry Cloud. I highly recommend that book. It's on my shelf. I have read it so many times. And you can go back to our acrostic 
being a secure base for someone. You're trustworthy. You hold their words, thoughts, feelings in the vault of your heart, like Mary in, I think it's Luke 138, I think, where she held the words of Gabriel the angel in her heart that she was going to birth the Christ child, and she pondered them in her heart. That's a vault in your heart. I always tell my clients, I'm a vault, and your words go in my, my vault. I will not share them with anyone. They are your words, and I'm holding them for you. I hold space for my clients so that they have room to go through their healing process. I carry what they can't carry at the time. We wanna speak healing words. Obviously, this is a front and center for us here in this community. Words have the power of life and death, and we wanna have a language of love that flows through the hallways of our home, not a language of shame and blame and oh let me i wrote them all down let me see where i put this <laughs> yeah we, we just don't want the language of criticism and blame and judgment and um oh here they are sorry excuse the papers once again all the movement blocks to our healthy emotions and into the healthy climate of our home our moralistic judgments right legalism not being able to sit at the table and agree to disagree, being able to have dialogue. And, you know, healthy dialogue is simply more than the mere exchange of ideas. True dialogue, as defined in uh, the beautiful book we've been talking a lot about here, Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication, true dialogue is more than mere exchange of ideas. It's a transformative process based on trust and mutual respect in which we come to see another in new and more accurate ways. That's what we're getting at here when we're talking about reparation, when we're talking about emotional repair. The starting point is removing these blocks of demands, of denial of responsibility, Blame, comparison, entitlement, and immediate defensiveness. Uh, Dr. John Gottman and the Gottman Institute, I just go to www.gottman Institute if you want more on something called stonewalling. It's one of the, it's, it's, it's a killer. It'll kill your relationship. It will certainly cause emotional reparations and I'm, I'm sorry emotional wounds that need repair so we want to become attuned and aware to the minute someone says something to me I immediately go into defense posture like immediately I'm already thinking in my head how I'm going to defend myself instead of really giving the other person an opportunity to talk and me listen and then take a deep breath and give healthy conversation back. That's called peacemaking, not peacekeeping. So we also want to develop the faith foundation of our family. Absolutely critical. Luke 6, verses 46 through 49, the very familiar passage and parable about building your house 
on the rock. And that if you build your house on the rock, obviously alluding to building your house on a framework of faith, stability will come. No, no storm can blow down a house that is built on a rock. And we will say built on the rock, capital R. But if it's built on sand, let's say generations of sand, what would that look like? What does that visually look like? If, if you will come from a family that has built a house on the foundation of sand, ah, I love this thought. What, I wish we were having a dialogue here. What might that look like? It might look like we're building a family foundation for our house built on yelling and screaming and raging and defensiveness and blaming and criticism and judgment and legalism. All of the blockades we just talked about. If I build a house on sand, it might be built on a lineage of, in my line, would have been alcoholism and adultery and um, really negative habits of triangulation and comparison. And, you know, those are all sand qualities. If you build your house on those things, the minute the first storm comes, it's just going to fall, fall apart. So in learning how to repair emotional wounds that perhaps, like I said in the beginning, we didn't even know were wounding our children because we didn't know we, we, we were so blind to it. So let's just go back to our podcast on the anatomy of yelling. When all we've known as a child and growing up in a family of yellers, if all we've ever known is yelling, how to solve something or how to have um, a, a conversation is yelling or getting heated or, you know, elevation, <laughs> you know, just elevating emotions, hot headedness, um, heavy handedness. If that's all we've known, that's all we've known. But once we become aware, we know better and then we do better. So we want to develop our family foundation on the rock. And the rock is everything we're talking about today, right? Practicing kindness, nurturing relationships, in creating an atmosphere of belonging and love, connection, um, authenticity, healing words, secure attachment, attunement and awareness, all of the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ways of communicating with one another. Okay, so I'm going to close today quickly with something from um, a beautiful approach to uh, emotional healing that I work with called emotional, emotion-focused, sorry, all this paper turning, emotion-focused counseling, EFC, emotion-focused counseling. And this methodology, emotionally focused family therapy, has developed a mechanism through which to heal family relationships and support both, um, you know, everybody in the family. So when we want to facilitate a successful repair, and I will link you to this in the show notes, in order to facilitate a successful repair, it is essential that parents and caregivers follow each of the steps outlined below. We need to acknowledge the unique impact of the injury. Now, an injury, we're talking about an emotional wound. And I should have said this at the very beginning. 
when we're talking safety, we're in this community, we're talking emotional and relational safety, not physical safety. This has to do with the heart. So when we acknowledge that our actions and their unique impact of the injury on that person, when we acknowledge it, and we acknowledge how it may have contributed to a style of emotion avoidance, we're on our first step. So here's a sample of that. When we divorced, it was really hard time for everyone, especially for you. This is, let's say this is a parent talking to a child. I can understand why you didn't share with us how you were feeling. It must have seemed like I couldn't handle it since I was in a lot of pain myself. So this is the mom or the dad acknowledging to the child how they weren't present during the divorce because they were not managing it themselves. What a beautiful way to handle a repair. I love that. Second way, express appreciation for what it must have been like for both the event itself and the reluctance to share pain. So you're labeling and you're validating here. So here's an example. I can only imagine how hard that must have been for you to see us like that. All right, so I'm gonna say this is a couple, mom and dad, raging, yelling, screaming, fighting. You must have also felt very angry that we didn't find a way to sort out our problems and you probably felt sad knowing things would never be the same. I don't blame you for having felt this way. You were just a child and it must have been really hard for you to cope with all of this on your own. Third way, apologize and communicate authentic. There's that word. Remorse, I'm sorry. If you need help understanding how to have authentic apologies, please go back to the podcast on apologies and how to have authentic apologies. And I have a link in there to Dr. Harriet Lerner, The Dance of Apology, and her interview with Dr. Brene Brown on Brene's podcast, Unlocking Us. It's brilliant. The repair might sound like this. I am very sorry that you had to go through this. It pains me to think about how you've suffered as a result. That's also very empathic. You're putting yourself aside here. You're not just thinking of yourself. You're putting yourself aside and you're actually building a bridge to the one that has been deeply wounded by that. Four, state what could have been done instead, even if nothing could have been done, say, I should have found a way and what will change from now on. This is it. This is to me the, the longest bridge. This is the biggest bridge that we, you know, the longest, the shortest, you know, it's just, it's a, the first bridge we need to build is um, stating what will change from this moment on. You hear me say this all the, all the time. Today is a new day. It is your day. Today is a day to draw a line in the sand 
Today is a day to build an altar. Today is a day to start new. Fresh starts are available with every morning dawn. Sit everybody down. Today's a new day. If you need help with this, you know where I am. And I've got several friends that are dynamic mediators. A repair might sound like this. We should have found a way to protect you from what happened next. Oh boy. We should have seen just how hard it was for you and given you the support you needed. Boy, that's so empathic. That's so helpful. That's so nurturing. It's so healing. We should have known, but we were blind. We had blind spots and we're sorry. Dear friends, dear friends, these healing repairs can happen when your children are well into their 40s and 50s and you're in your 80s and 90s. These repairs can happen from the smallest of age to the oldest of age. I've shared with you how I've made emotional repairs for wounds of my childhood with my mother, who is 92. Five, wait for the blast denial and proceed as follows. I love how in emotionally focused family therapy, they call it the blast. You know, we would call it the blow up, whatever you want to call, you know, that moment when somebody flips their lid, blows their top, because that's all they've known. They don't know another way to communicate. They, that's all they've seen from their parents. So now here's a possibility. Possibility one, uh, at the, when the blast happens. The blast occurs if, after you apologize, your child repeats how they felt and or brings up other injuries from the past. Boy, this is, this usually happens. It's usually, well, it's it just we keep ourselves locked in the past and we keep bringing up the past. Ooh, and one of my biggest jobs, sitting in the middle of a family, you know, family or sitting at the family table is helping them to bring that past here into the present, heal it, make sense of it, and leave it here. That's the Heartlift method. Although this reaction may cause you to feel as though your apology didn't work, it in fact signals the opposite. It is a sign that your child feels heard and understood, and they trust you to continue to validate old feelings of hurt and pain. Resist the urge to fall into the trap of saying this. I said, I'm sorry. What more do you want from me? I can't change the past. Resist that. Instead, I love this. Repeat steps one through four until the blasts subside. And steps one through four are the ones that I just went through with you. So an example of a blast from the child might be, you have no idea how bad it was. And by the way, it's a little too late. Apology is not accepted. It's too late. Then you repeat one through four and you will get, you can have that in your hand uh, when I give you the link. I will also give you a, a beautiful PDF created by Dr. Gottman, John Gottman, called the Gottman Repair List. And it gives you uh, beautiful sentences to use when you, like, I'm, I feel. If you don't know, don't have an emotional language yet, and you don't know the words of feelings and emotions, then it just gives you um, 
words to say, which is always very helpful. So we want to pause as we're closing now and really just take some time today. Is there a time when you can sit as a family and talk, maybe even for the first time, about the emotional climate, the emotional atmosphere of your home? And ask, do you feel safe here? Do you feel secure here? Do you feel loved and seen and known? And kids, hey, we're gonna start something new. We're gonna, we're gonna start a new behavior. We're gonna have a meal together once a day. <laughs> Silly as that sounds, sometimes it's not happening. We're gonna play a game once a week. We're gonna make an intentional effort to strengthen our family relationships because there's nothing more important in life than our family. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.